This is Back to Debbie, the only Debbie podcast brought to you by Campus Canton. I'm your host, Mike V. This is my co-host, Corey P. And and Corey, I don't know if you know this, but but we're out here catching strays. Uh, Chris Moxley um, on uh, Debbie Debate, the guy that quote-unquote was reaching out the olive, olive branch, called us the inferior Debbie podcast. Uh, and then and then on Campus Life, a whole nother, a whole nother podcast, you had Matt Bruning accused me the idea guy of camp skin of running out of content i'll have every single listener know that i have 13 weeks already planned out for this podcast in the future <laughs> i just needed a fill-in and i was a little i was a little bit hesitant on ideas but we we got our idea all right we're, we are going to be mature and we're going to go play the schoolyard game of would you rather just would you rather on between nfl assets and devi assets uh, and as always, we will be doing two 2023 player profiles for the upcoming draft. But first, Corey with the news. Yeah, so first we'll head over to Notre Dame, where the offense reportedly has been struggling a little bit over the past weekend, um, struggling with a lot of drop balls from the receivers. Lorenzo Styles, who was having a promising start to spring practice, he kind of took a step back, apparently uh, had some drops, and then kind of got in his head and continued to fight the ball a little bit. Uh, Tyler Buckner and Sam Hartman also both kind of looked a little bit off. It was just a rough weekend for the offense overall from most reports. Um, the only thing that's become pretty consistent uh, uh, of note anyways is that that uh, freshman from last year, wide receiver Tobias Merriweather, um, he's been playing exclusively with the first team, it looks like. So maybe a chance there for, for some guy, for uh, for him to break out this year. Um, heading over to Georgia now, um, they had their first scrimmage this weekend. Um, looking at the quarterback battle, it still looks like it's between Carson Beck and, and Brock Vandegrift. Um, Gunnar Stockton is mostly running with the threes and twos right now, so it doesn't look like he's very much in this competition right now. Um, and then over to the tight ends, Oscar Delp is apparently running in Darnell Washington's old role right now, which they want to kind of keep Brock, uh, Brock Bowers free to move along the lineup like he likes. So they're hoping Oscar Delp can fill that role, but it also means he'll be on the field a lot more. A guy that we probably have as a top three tight end in Debbie, top four tight end, somewhere around there. Um, and then heading over to Michigan where they had their, their spring game this past weekend. There, there wasn't much of note. Um, JJ McCarthy looked like JJ McCarthy, a couple misses here, but a couple flashes here as well. No quarterback of it really stood out, but the running game um, where you didn't have Blake Corum, you didn't have Donovan Edwards. Um, you didn't have a lot of the other guys there, but a uh, freshman, by the name of Benjamin Hall. Uh, he ran the ball for 13, uh, 13 times for 96 yards and a touchdown. I wanted to ask you, because he wasn't somebody that I really looked into this offseason, but did you ever look into Hall uh, during your uh, recruitment cycle this offseason? I did. I, I kind of liked um, his tape initially. Uh, I did notice that he only played like four games, and I got a little curious because I was wondering if it was injury-related. So I went to our recruiting team asking, like, hey, what's up with Benjamin Hall? And I found out that he got – pretty much benched uh, for a running back that got only FCS offers. Um, he did get the best offer out of that running back room, but he wasn't getting the playing time or the efficiency as other running backs. And then as you stated in this scrimmage, he seemed effective, but like, so does CJ strokes last year, CJ Stokes, excuse me. It mm -hmm. just seems like a system that any running back can be successful in at this point. Yeah. And I know he's, he was one of the lower ranked in the mile per hour time. I think he was under 20 miles per hour, 19.8. We kind of like to see that 20 miles per hour time. 19.8 still isn't too bad, especially for a guy who's 5'10", 225 
pounds. I did rewatch uh, the spring game. Uh, Brandon Lejeune of the Debbie Dashboard do some work with him. He actually cut it up and put it on YouTube if anyone wants to go look at it. He looked pretty decent, I would say. Like he showed some some nice patience and some vision. He got absolutely blown up in some pass pro, but um, I guess I came away relatively impressed with some of the vision and stuff around the line of scrimmage didn't certainly didn't look explosive or anything like that but anyways just a name for you guys to kind of keep on the radar um see if you can kind of walk into a role this year kind of a loaded backfield but heading over to wisconsin now where their big transfer wide receiver cj williams uh he's made a big impression over the weekend he was reportedly dominating the second team so much so that they had to move him up to the first team and he's just continued to impress since so um i love hearing that as a guy who was high on cj williams last year eager to see what he can do in this new offense um, heading over to South Carolina now where uh, Arkansas tight end transfer um, and former wide receiver convert Trey Knox has been making a big impression early on. Apparently um, he's reportedly up to 250 pounds after playing around like 230 in his first year as a tight end convert last year. So a guy who's going to have some interesting receiving skills um, and can maybe be a sneaky tight end uh, to, to kind of keep an eye on. And once again, freshman quarterback Lenore Sellers is reportedly looking like the best QB after Rattler during their scrimmage over the weekend. Um, he's been getting great reports since the start of camp, and he's really somebody that I'm starting to to take a little more seriously on the Debbie aspect. I know um, Mike over here did draft him in our freshman draft, so we have been keeping a little bit of an eye on him, but somebody who, who might be a little bit of a riser for me the more these reports start to come out. Um, we'll head over to Clemson as well, where Adam Randall, a uh, freshman wide receiver from last year, he apparently had a second knee procedure um, after the season. Perhaps he was kind of rushed a little too quickly last year. Um, Mike, what are you doing with this info now? Are you are you lowering Adam Randall? Are you avoiding him? Um, I, I don't know. I, th- I feel like I kind of got to avoid him now. Yeah, I have lowered in my rankings. So I've talked to Corey about this. I, I redo my rankings at the end of the year. So January, uh, I do redo my rankings. And then every two months, I will freeze my rankings. Only can I, can see, I can see who I'm moving and where and just trends that are going on. For me, Adam Randall was wide receiver 19 finishing 2022. And then going into March 21, how much movement? Since this news came out, he's now wide receiver 28 for me. Uh, mm. We'll see in May if I move him even further down. But yeah, I moved him further down. If you're a a Randall uh, manager, uh, either you got to cash in on a less knowing uh, league mate or it's a hold. It's a hold. Yeah, there's like some concerning signs there too with the weight gain. You know, a guy who was 215 as a freshman, apparently up to 230. Um, you know, it was nice to see that he at least got on the field last year. I think maybe he was rushed back a little too quickly. He played like the whole season too. Break broke those zero and zero thresholds. We like to see this was a guy I really, really liked looking at his tape. I thought he had a lot of interesting tools uh, in his toolbox, but I, I, I'm very apprehensive about his, his draft capital right now, especially where he's going in drafts. Like he's a, still in like the fifth or fourth round. I did one recently where he actually fell to like the eighth, which is kind of after this news had come out, that's maybe somewhere more where I would start to consider it. I think that's a, that's a fine spot to take a shot on a guy that might be looking like uh, he might be an injury problem this year, but uh, let's keep moving. Let's head over to Washington, where wide receiver Romo Dunze is having an amazing camp right now. He's reportedly dominating his defense this past weekend. People are calling him a first-round pick over there. Obviously, that's just Washington beat reporters. But regardless, he's apparently having an amazing camp right now. Um, other notes from there as well. Transfer running back Dylan Johnson. He's been getting some some reps with the first team, along with Cameron Davis. Um, but he's been said to be dealing with a little bit of a minor injury right now. I just want to, to mention him a little bit. I actually wrote up Dylan Johnson's profile for the guy recently. I kind of like liked what I saw in brief moments, but it is really hard to evaluate running backs in that Mississippi state 
offense, that Mike Leach air raid system. So it was it was kind of hard to really get a good picture of one. Kind of a guy you should keep your eye on, I think, here going over to Washington. Um, let's head over to Texas now. They had a scrimmage over the weekend where where uh, Quinn Ewers reportedly like flawless on the day. Um, looks like he made a lot of strides from last year. So things are really starting to come together for him. And freshman quarterback Arch Manning looked like um, – well, a freshman, I guess you could say, is the best way to say it. Um, he, he had a pretty up-and-down day, apparently, and and is clearly the number three quarterback right now. Um, heading over to Florida State, where wide receiver Hakeem Williams, um, very high-ranking wide receiver in this year's class. He's had a bit of a quiet camp up to up until this point. Um, he reportedly had to get into shape and adjust to the speed of the game. That's kind of some of the news that's coming out. But apparently over the last week, it's coming together for him a little bit more. Um, over the last week or so, he's been making some highlight real plays. So finally starting to see that athleticism uh, come out of him. And then heading over to USC, where they were a big winner in the recruitment circle uh, this this week, where they got a commitment from type five-star tight end Deuce Robinson. Um, these five-star tight ends are, are typically good investments. They've had about a 60% draft rate over the past 10 years. Just these five-star tight ends was actually a pretty small sample size. Um, 100% over the past five years, again, a pretty small sample size. There really isn't that many five-star tight ends. But I know we were talking about in the chat a little bit, and you think he has the potential to make a difference uh, in year one and actually be a CFF asset in year one. Yeah, I was uh, I was mostly pushing Chris K's buttons, but I, I actually do believe this. Uh, <laughs> so I'm not a CFF uh, expert here, but I do pay attention so much to USC. I think that team just lacks size. I could see uh, some red zone package plays be put into put like put into place for for Deuce here, especially down the stretch of the season. Uh, and I'm just comparing him to Lincoln Riley's like most successful tight end, which I know is lofty. It's lofty. Let's just call it what it is. But Mark Andrews, as a true freshman, had 19 receptions for 318 yards and seven touchdowns. Now, do I think Deuce is going to do that? I don't really know, but I think he might. He might get close. Like there's a just there's just a non-zero chance, and it's really only because there's no one on this roster that that is a, a red zone threat. There's a lot of slot guys, and then it's like Brendan Rice, uh, Dorian Singer's fantastic and touch a catch guy, but he's he's six foot one. Deuce is six foot six, a much bigger target. So. I do think we could see some red zone plays for Deuce, making him an instant impact tight end. But again, I don't know how much of an impact he's going to make. Yeah, I was actually reading a piece today from USCB reporters that were saying um, they've actually seen people from the staff talk about him as a wide receiver as well. Uh, along with tight end, so they're kind. Of, he, they were kind of wondering where he's going to play on the lineup, how he's going to be used. It sounds like he could be a guy who split out wide uh, a lot as well. Um, and Lincoln Riley's had success with the, with tight ends, like you're talking about with Mark Andrews, and then even guys like like Grant, uh, Grant Calcaterra and Austin Stogner, who were shining early on in their careers before injuries kind of kind of took over and and uh, ruined their careers for them. But he's had a history of like using these guys and, and Mark Andrews, like you were saying. So um, uh, he'll be in a great system over there with uh, with uh, great weapons over there. And he's really the only guy who's going to bring that size to that room. So it's possible he could be a year one guy. But again, tight end, big Big 50-50 chance there. It's hit or, hit or miss if he's really going to do something this first year, especially from a freshman. Um, so let's move on right along here to Oklahoma, where we got uh, running back Javante Barnes, who was dealing with an undisclosed injury. He was seen with a boot on on a scooter. Um, this is a guy who's probably expected to be the starter after operating as a team's number two back la- uh, last year. So I'm not sure how long this could linger into the season. Um, we'll have to see what happens. There's not a lot of news coming out about that, just something to keep an eye on. Heading over to TCU, where there's been a lot of talks 
surrounding Jojo Earl, but it's actually been Oklahoma State transfer uh, John Paul Richardson who has received the strongest reviews and has apparently earned the leg up in the starting role in the slot over Jojo, who reportedly continues to be pushed by the staff, and they're really trying to unlock his true potential there. Um, and I've been looking for info on this running back rotation after Kendra Miller is leaving this year. I finally found some. Um, it looks like Trey Sanders is running as the running back one over there, and Imani Bailey is also getting running back one rep. So it's kind of a split right now to see what's going on, but it's those two guys getting the work early on. Uh, quick note over at Tennessee, a guy that we really like, freshman wide receiver Nathan Leacock. He's having a a slow start to camp. They're saying he's still adjusting to the speed. This is kind of some things we were hearing about Justin Williams last year, another guy that we like. So I'm hoping that, you know, Tennessee's just not a little hard on these freshmen. Um, they're coming in, needing a little bit of time to adjust to the speed. Hopefully this isn't another flame out here at Tennessee that has to adjust. I still really like him. I think uh, I think he'll find his way, hopefully enough to beat those 0 one thresholds. And then last but not least, over at UCLA, this just came out um, towards the end of the day here. They held their first practice today. Um, there might not be much to take away from this. Okay. It's their first practice, but they're, you know, I'm just going to mention it. Might more just to ruffle a little feathers, even, right? Um, we're looking at the QB rotation here, right? The first QB to take reps was Ethan Garbers, which isn't surprising. Second year quarterback from last year. I mean, a uh, second quarterback last year has been in the system, kind of the veteran. But then the next guy up was quarterback uh, and five star freshman Dante Moore, followed by Justin Martin. And then fourth in line was Kent State transfer Colin Schley running as the fourth quarterback of the group. Now, nothing really to come from that order. It was all pretty evenly split, apparently. But Dante Moore apparently had the most impressive day of all the quarterbacks. This is a quote from the article I read. Moore's poise, footwork, and deep ball accuracy were impressive in the offense and defense drill work. Um, the product from King High in Detroit rarely making a bad read and asserting himself along a new group of playmakers. Meanwhile, from Colin Schley had a forgettable first day, throwing four interceptions in scrimmage play, um, just one tipping off a receiver's hands. Um, his arm strength was notable, but the but accuracy and decision making um, were things uh, that were on display that were bad on display uh, during his first practice. So um, it looks like Dante Moore kind of has a leg up there. If we're thinking about those two guys as a battle right now, I'm not sure if I believe Ethan Gar Garbers will be the guy, but things are looking up for Dante Moore right now. Um, if you guys want any more spring news, be sure to keep you locked on the C2C podcast and YouTube channels and check out our very own Matt Bruning as he keeps you up to date with his spring reports on YouTube and the, the podcast channel. And be sure to head over to campus again and become I'm a member today if you aren't already. We've rolled out the one-of-a-kind freshman supplemental guide. We have the Debian CFF guides coming your way this off to, uh, this offseason. And there's loads of offseason content over there covering the draft coming up right now, covering all the spring news. So get over there and become a member now and get the leg up on all your league mates. I sat Corey down. I told him that we need to do two more tight end profiles. We can't, we can't have this whole 2023 NFL draft series ends when we're only talking about two tight ends and we and we're only hopeful that one works out we're going to talk more than that we are going to prove to you how well-rounded we are as Debbie analysts the way we talk about the importance of versatility in a prospect at every level is just as important in being versatile as an analyst and i, I know i know we had chris mockley help us out last time with our tight ends but we don't need him we never did we will be diving so incredibly deep you will never consider anyone else's opinion because we will be covering every single detail in fact these will be the easiest prospects we ever dissected in our first year of doing these nfl draft profiles in podcast form we are going to prove that you don't need to pay for patreons you don't need to listen to crusty old mel kuyper Corey and i are going to prove to you in the name of campus to canton that we are the best the most versatile 
And when it comes to college prospect transition to NFL talent, no one is better. Corey, let's ride. Two tight ends in the 2023 class that are undoubtedly going to be um, sleeper picks. They are going to be tight ends that everybody says, oh, they're waiting on these two guys in the second or third round of your fantasy rookie drafts. Um, and I think that you should probably temper expectations for both of these guys. And of course, I'm talking about Darnell Washington out of Georgia and Luke Musgrave out of Oregon State. Both of these guys are uber athletes. And of course, we like that very much when we're talking about tight end prospects, when we are talking about tight end sleeper prospects. The thing is, while they are athletic freaks and they both have the size and frame, which we will go over here in a minute, their production uh, through three years for Darnell Washington and four years for Luke Musgraves did not really meet thing, uh, the thresholds that we want to look at. Uh, and we'll break all of this down here <clears throat> in this little segment. Let's just start with what has everyone so excited. You've got Darnell Washington out of Georgia, five-star recruit back in the day. Uh, I believe he was the 2020 class, so he's uh, spent three years in college. He came in at 6'6", 264. Now, that is absolutely massive. You know, he put together a 9.9 .9 RAS, uh, which included an excellent, excellent shuttle time of right at four seconds which for that individual metric, that RAS was uh, 9.84. Uh, of course, RAS is out of 10. So, I mean, he scored excellent, excellent in terms of an, a premium athlete. His career stat line at Georgia, 45-774-3. Um, and most of that came in the final season where I think he had four or 500 of those yards in his last season. He probably declared to the NFL because he is not going to unseat Brock Bowers as the primary receiving option, especially primary tight end. But like, let's temper our expectations a little bit when this guy was not even the number one tight end on his own team. And I know that Brock Bowers is an exceptional athlete. He's probably going to be a first round tight end, but like on his own team, Darnell Washington is not the premium tight end. So I just think that um, it's not impossible. We have seen things like this happen before. Uh, where a guy just doesn't quite pop in college and then does in the NFL. It does happen. I just think that we need to take a step back here and realize, like, this guy wasn't even the best tight end on his own team. So Luke Musgrave out of Oregon State, 6'5", 253. He also smashed the athletic testing, RAS of 9.94, 4, I believe. And uh, the only thing was he did not do a shuttle, but everything else was great, size, uh, 40 time, vert, excellent athlete and you love to see it he had four years in college at oregon state his career is 47 633 and two so these two guys put together just really really weak career lines i mean we're talking about career stats so not great on the production level Let's talk about some metrics here. So um, one thing we love to use at Campus Canton is our uh, player app tool or our player metric tool. Uh, in this case, I've pulled up receiving yards per team pass attempt, which is a great metric for wide receivers, but it's also a great metric for tight ends with a pretty nice R squared um, trend line that shows that this does seem to track with future TEs in the NFL. 
the threshold kind of changes how the older you get, but a nice number is a 1.0 receiving yard per team pass attempt. If you hit that in your first two years, you are tracking towards a, uh, I believe it's a top 12 NFL tight end season. Darnell Washington and Luke Musgrave topped out just under 1.0 receiving yards per team's pass attempts. Both of those were in their third year. In the third year, you want to see 1.25 or greater. Guys like TJ Hawkinson, uh, he hit the threshold in year two, and he was crazy in year three with a 1.75 receiving yards per pass attempts. Mark Andrews was approaching one as a second year player. He hit 1.25 as a third year player and then a tremendous 2.25 receiving yards per team pass attempt in his fourth year at Oklahoma. So, you know, to say that these two we're talking about today, Darnell Washington, Luke Musgrave did not even hit one uh, Luke Musgrave did have a full four years. Darnell Washington technically would have another year to maybe build on that. But with Brock Bowers there, I highly doubt he would have. So both of these guys would have spent full four years in college uh, and really not hit that, that target. Switching gears here, let's go to play style. Starting with Darnell Washington, despite his awesome shuttle time and really great athleticism, that does not translate into suddenness or you know, kind of yak ability as a tight end, as a receiver. Most of his passes are within 10 yards of line of scrimmage. Um, you know, he just didn't seem to stretch the field downfield. He didn't have a lot of seam routes. He didn't have wheel routes. He didn't have, you know, things where he's catching the ball 20, 25 yards downfield. That's just not his game or it's not what Georgia used him for. Um, and so I, I do have concerns as a fantasy football asset. Um, you know, I think he's going to be he's going to be a, a worthwhile asset on your team because he's going to get red zone looks. He's six foot six, pushing six foot seven. He's going to be a post up guy in the red zone. So he, I could see, a, you know, 40 catches for 450 yards and like eight to 10 touchdowns in one year, maybe, you know, in the NFL, like he's going to catch a lot of touchdowns. I would just not expect Darnell Washington to all of a sudden become some kind of primary receiving game asset. I think the NFL is going to like him. I would say his athleticism, interestingly enough, shows up as a blocker, uh, not as much as a yards after catch receiver. And so for fantasy, that's a little bit disappointing, but good for him as a player. And, and there are NFL teams that are going to like him quite a bit. Luke Musgrave's play style is much more to me where you can see a fantasy relevant outcome here. He is a guy where you watch a two to three minute highlight film and there's multiple downfield attacking big splash play type uh, completions to him, whether it's a seam route or he's coming across the line, goes vertical and catches a 20 to 30 yard basically bomb. I mean, for Oregon State's offense, that's essentially a bomb is a 20, 30 yard pass. So I think Luke Musgrave shows on tape a lot more of what you'd like to see when you're like, oh, this guy, you know, if uh, a team uses him in the right way, I can see it. Darnell Washington, it's not that, like, I don't know. He's just not exciting. He's not exciting with the ball in his hands. He's not exciting in the way that Georgia used him. Um, these guys are both going to probably be day two picks. They're going to get some draft capital. The question is, how is the team going to use them? And I think I've answered at least what I see in this little segment here. So uh, I would have Luke Musgrave ranked higher than Darnell Washington on my score sheet for fantasy purposes. Uh, Washington may be a little bit more of an all around player and can contribute on offense in a lot of ways, but unless you're playing in points per pulling block, I'm not sure Darnell Washington is going to be the guy that you want. 
This has been Alfred for Campus to Canton, reviewing Darnell Washington and Luke Musgrave, two tight ends in the 2023 rookie class. Corey, we killed it. That was some of our best work yet. And you know <laughs> what? Out of all the founders who would have most have been proud of us, Alfred. Alfred would yes. have loved hearing about this. Uh, I could just, mm -hmm. I could picture Alfred right now saying to himself, I wrote that. I could have wrote that verbatim. <laughs> so, and I have on good enough authority that he does consume our content more than any other podcast, including the Debbie Debate, the quote unquote superior Debbie podcast. Another, <laughs> another top tier founder, Alfred Fernandez. Thank you. Thank now, you, Alfred. Yes. Let's, let's dive into it, Corey. Uh, just off the bat, we're doing Would You Rather. And Corey, I, I'm just looking at the Slack right now. Uh, would you rather kiss? Uh, the emu in Tim's profile picture, the Stanford tree of PJs, or mm. the pig from Volume Pig. Sorry, I don't know his first name very well yet. I'm very sorry. Uh, what was the first one? The e an emu from <laughs> Australia, though. It's an from emu Australia. From Australia. Yeah, I'm not too sure. That thing that 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 um, PJ has is his thing. That thing is scary. I wouldn't kiss that thing. It's a murderer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a murderous tree or whatever the hell. It's like it would honeypot you in and then and then murder you when you're not looking. Yeah. So I don't know. I, 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 pigs are really dirty, though, man. Emu's probably really dirty, too. This is a nasty question. I'm just, uh, I'll say the emu. Sure. Why not? Be a, qu a yeah, quick one and I'll run. <laughs> I think the emu, too. I think the Stanford tree looks murderous and uh, I can't get behind pigs. Um, yeah. <laughs> And then I think an emu I could like raise to become a pet and I could feel for it. You know, like I, I sometimes kiss my dog on a little forehead, not in the mouth. Those people are gross, but I, I can see about doing that to an emu, I think. Uh, yeah. But let's dive into it. We are going into Would You Rather? And we're comparing Devi assets to current NFL players on your dynasty rosters. And this is actually the first time we've talked about NFL uh, players. Uh, I, I feel it's kind of dirty to me because uh, I've been trying to, <laughs> I've been trying to be exclusive, just college football players, just Debbie. There's not a lot of weekly podcasts out there, so I, I try to make these fun topics here. But we, alas, we are finally talking about NFL players, and then it's been 36 weeks, so uh, that's that's pretty, pretty good, good actually. Yeah. Yep. So uh, this show topic was inspired by the Cornerstone Rankings that was recently launched a few weeks ago. They're called the C200. Um, this is again, just the top 200 players. This is college and NFL combined. Uh, Corey and I were not invited for this adventure, but that's, that's okay. That's, that's not her. We're focused <laughs> on the Debbie guide anyway. So let's get into it. Let's talk quarterbacks first. I'm going to open this up, Corey. You're going to answer this one first. Would you rather Deshaun Watson, who's ranked 26 in our cornerstone rankings or Drake May, who's at 29? Yeah, I think in this one, I think I, 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 I think I'd probably still go with Deshaun Watson. I think May is going to hold some insulated value, um, but Watson, like I don't know. I know he had a rough year. He also hadn't played in forever, but they put a huge investment into him. Um, they're surrounding him with talent now. Um, I think they actually have a pretty a pretty good shot to be a sneaky offense with like um, with, with more now. You still got Chubb, Cooper. Uh, um, DPJ and the Joku there. Like it, they can actually be a sneaky good offense. I think he's going to bounce back. He's still young. Um, I know there's some insulated value with May because I think he's going to still hold that value through the year. It's possible with the new OC coming in. Maybe he doesn't have as good of a year. Maybe there's a situation too with NIL where he stays an extra year. So maybe there's that on the, on the plate as well. But for now, I'm going with the bona fide asset, NFL asset in Deshaun Watson. I think he's still got a lot of years in front of him. 
I, I'm I'm leaning Drake May here. Uh, Deshaun Watson struggled hard uh, coming back. It's two years. I can't blame him for that. Uh, and everyone thinking about Calvin really, please take notes on that statement there. Uh, but he, he he immediately renegotiated his contract to get less money. I feel like that's almost an admission of I'm not who I was before. <laughs> um, yeah. And I, I, I am very much on the Drake May train. I think if Drake May was in this draft class, he would be the QB1. Uh, I think he's better than CJ Stroud. I think he'll be better than Bryce Young. And I will be very annoying next year. And I will be like, he's the next Justin Herbert. That's going to be me. I'm going to be on that train. I don't know who's going to conduct it. It's going to come out. But hmm. I'll be riding first class in that train. Uh, so I, I really do think Drake May is like a QB one by year two in the NFL. Uh, and obviously you said Deshaun Watson was young. So will Drake May future top five pick. Um, Are you worried at all though about the OC change and all the, the changeover at wide receiver and, Perhaps it's not that good of a year for him this year. I just don't think there was that many good pieces last year around him. And I'm kind of looking at this like, is it that much worse? He kind of struggled down the stretch a little bit, though. Yes, I do recognize that. Yeah, I do like recognize he hit, that. He hit like that freshman wall kind of like the back four weeks of the, of the year last year. What was his – do you know what his schedule was like off the top, top of your head? I can't. No, not off the top of my head, no. I but. can't either. I'm such a big Drake May fan. I probably should. Um, but I, <laughs> I do remember – I want to say it was actually a three-game stretch where he was a little bit slowing down there. But I – yeah. I, I do think he's a special talent here, and, and he really only had, like, Josh Downs. So I will say also, though, that I think, I, like, me personally, I think this is one of the lower points of Deshaun's value, even comparing him to Drake May right now. So, like, if you could get this deal, like, if someone if you had Drake May and you wanted to get Deshaun UNT an NFL quarterback, I think I would do it, man. Like, I, like, I think his value is probably going to rise throughout the season. I expect a little bit of a bounce back, but maybe, yeah, that's, just, maybe that's just me. But this is, this is definitely one of the lower points of his value, I think. No, he needs to bounce back to some degree. I, just, I don't know how much. I, I would love to think of him as a top five QB the way he was before he um started holding. Yeah, I don't know stuff, if that's but... ever in the cards again, but especially with some of these talent we have near the top now. But yeah, let me get on to the next one here. We're going to talk about Jared Goff. He is at one twenty six in our cornerstone rankings uh, compared to Kyle McCord, who hasn't played a full season at one oh seven. Ooh, he's ballsy. I'll let you. I'll let you take this one. You go ahead. Okay. Go ahead. All right. All right. You got to say, would you rather? Yeah. Who would you rather? Kyle McCord or Jared Goff? <laughs> uh, <laughs> this one's tough. This one actually really is tough. Um, mm-hmm. I thought so Kyle too, McCord, yeah. This one's hard. This one's hard because Kyle McCord hasn't played a season yet. Uh, if he does, he has obviously all the tools and reasons to be successful. Um, if he like fails by like week four, everyone's going to look real stupid, like real fast. I, I think I like Jared Goff as like a sleeper. Like I, you can guarantee one good season. I, I just... I think Jared Goff is a great system QB. I think he knows how to run a system. Don't ask him to clutch up for you, but you can ask him to like be a middle of the road QB for multiple years. And he's younger than I think he is. I had to look that up. I think he's younger than we're probably imagining in our heads. I, I'm going to go with Jared Goff here. I think I'd rather Jared Goff. I think Detroit sticks with him at least one more year, maybe longer than that. But I, I think he's running the system pretty well there. It's just the defense that needs to be fixed. And that's kind of actually what I hope they focus on in the NFL draft. Yeah, I think, I mean, they do have that high pick. I don't know if they'll trade up for something. And then, then those are the questions around him, right? Like, do the Lions draft a quarterback? Like, how long is Jared Goff's lifespan? Like, is it possible that he could go on and continue to be like a bridge quarterback for like another team though as well, right? There's still value in that. You know what I mean? There's there's value in any starting quarterback in like a, like a super flex league. But um, if McCord goes out there and balls, becomes like a first round pick himself, like I think they're, they're, there's value to be viewed much higher for him. So if you 
if you are a, Mc, a McCord believer, there's obviously risk here, you know, but this is a, this is a deal you could get, especially if you could like, they have him ranked higher here, but I kind of agree with you that I think I would have Jared Goff ranked higher right now because yeah. we haven't seen much from Kyle McCord. Like if he I was, could go, like if I could trade down from Jared Goff and get Kyle McCord plus, I would probably, I think that's a, that's a risk I'd be willing to take given like McCord's upside in this situation. It golf was QB 10 last year, which yeah, is kind of weird was, to say that. Good, yeah. I mean, that was, <laughs> yeah, you, you might win your championship. You drafted him super late. Like you just started up a startup. You probably did pretty well that year. I've gone down this road though, with quarterbacks that are like the bridge quarterbacks and like relying on them as your super effect guys, number two or whatever. Like I even have leagues where I have like Geno Smith as like my number two now. And like, they get so shaky so fast, man. All of a sudden you're looking at your team and you're like, I got no quarterbacks who are good. I got no quarterbacks who are going to start. Like, so like he feels more like along that lifeline. Like I'm, I don't trust that he's going to continue to be a yearly starter. And there is that upside there that Kyle McCord does ball out this year and become, you know, is, is Mac Jones of Alabama pretty much has waited his turn blows up this year and goes into be a first round pick. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's, that's potentially in the cards for him, I guess. So if I could trade down golf and get him, I would, but I don't know if I'd make the trade straight up. No, the more thing about this, here's here's an NFL hot take for me, which is <laughs> we don't do an NFL podcast for a reason here. But anyway, <laughs> uh, no, I, I think Jared Goff is, is an excellent system QB. And I think he really only fell off with the Rams because their off, their offensive line started aging out and they keep they keep on trading their assets for like current studs. So they're not really planning for the future. I, I really do think with a solid offensive line, which Detroit now has, I think Jared Goff is just fine. I think he's. He's just fine. Yeah, I, I think he can actually stick as a Detroit starter long term. I really do. I think they could beef up the other positions and think, hey, you know, if everyone else is good around him, he's going to be fine as well. Let's let's head on over to one more QB here. Would you rather Justin Fields, who's ranked 15, or Caleb Williams, who's ranked 13? Yeah, this was another tough one, I guess. You know, but uh, me personally, I've always been a huge fan of Fields um easily my quarterback too when he came out he's been like a top two quarterback with with Trevor Lawrence and Debbie for me for like as long as I can remember as long as those guys were in like and each of them actually spent different times at number one there was one time where I had Justin Fields above and I think by the end of it I did have Trevor Lawrence above but again you're talking about two guys who superstar prospects and you know you rush over freaking 1100 yards as a as a quarterback in your second season you're gonna be a fantasy superstar and that's that's pretty much what he is I only three other quarterbacks ever do that Lamar Michael Vick so and those guys were fantasy superstars. That's the kind of guy that Fields is to me. They're building around him now. Um, they go and grab BJ Moore, um, who I think his skill set will line up really well with, with Fields' play style too. So I think this could be a really big year for him. I think if I had to pick one right now, I think I'm going with Fields uh, on my NFL side, um, especially if someone values Caleb higher like they do here in the C200 rankings. Again, I, we have to say that these are C2C rankings as well. So the production on the college side does go into these rankings as well. That's why they might be a little bit different um, if you're just looking at it from a pure Debbie angle. But yeah, if you can find somebody who values Caleb higher than Justin Fields, I'd love to trade down Caleb Williams and get Justin Fields plus or something like that. You know, there is the thing with the insulated value again with Caleb and even more so than Drake may, I mean, aside from an injury, there's a less than 1% chance he doesn't have a monster season. And there's a less than 1% chance he isn't in contention for like the number one pick next year, right? I mean, that's that's probably what he's lined up for. And there is, you know, obviously the this, this situation where Fields could fail in like his third year as well. And Caleb could hold higher value while Fields fluctuates or whatever. So I can see that part of it. But I think I'm just going to stick with my gut here. Go with the guy who I feel like is a rising star and is going to be 
in contention as like a top five quarterback sooner than later. I think I'm going to lean fields here. I, I, I've been self-conscious until recently about my quarterback evaluation ability uh, over the years. I was, I was on the train of like Jalen hurts. Isn't a good thrower. He won't develop as a thrower. Like sure. He can run around, but like he won't, he won't, you know, become a franchise quarterback. And like, I'm wrong. Mm -hmm. I'm wrong. He's, he's a future franchise quarterback. He's a locked in top five QB for like the next five years. And you like really can't question much about it. And I, I too had fields as my QB two coming out. Um, you know who I QB five that was mocked and ridiculed for? I had Trey Lance as QB five. His design runs down the <laughs> middle against an FCS defense. Like get out of here with that shit. Yeah. For yeah. one year, you get out of here. Anyway, so <laughs> uh, Justin Fields my QB two. I, I I thought as a the year before he came out, I thought that he was a one read quarterback. Year two came out, I thought he was a phenomenal complete package. <laughs> um, I know he didn't really show much of that in the arm. Uh, Chicago is kind of a dumpster fire of talent. I mean, clearly that coaching staff doesn't know how to evaluate wide receivers. Um, they're almost as bad as the Patriots in that aspect. I mean, they trade for Chase Claypool. <laughs> they trade the 32nd overall pick for Chase Claypool. So brutal. Good for the Steelers, <laughs> but yeah. yeah. Uh, Valus Jones, who I gave a um, a special teams grade to, and I think oh, he played special teams. So, so I guess I'm wrong there too. Uh, I had him too high at like wide receiver 25, but um. <laughs> Yeah, I, I I think Justin Fields is going to be built around. I think he will adjust more as a thrower once they get some better talent in there. And I, I think he's proven. And uh, can I give you some wild, just hypothetical, and you let me know if I'm just being outrageous or not? Sure. Is it is it possible? Worst case scenario. Is it possible that Caleb Williams is like Johnny Manziel? You know, he kind of has like a bit of an ego. He has like the, the fuck Utah on the nails and he's I, laughing we, at people on Twitter. He, they, there was some of that during the like bowl game season where they lost that oh, game. Yeah. Was it against Tulane? Do you remember where he was on the field and he didn't get Tulane. up to shake hands with anybody? Yeah. And he and he was like pouting on the on the thing. So there's probably a little bit of diva too. And there's probably a little bit of diva in all of these quarterbacks nowadays. Maybe there's there's there is the thing where Caleb Williams came out and uh, as a freshman and a lot of people didn't have him as quarterback one in that class coming out. They thought there was a lot of project here. A lot of people thought him kind of like Jalen Hurts, where he was the, a solid runner, but needed to develop as a passer a little bit and stuff. And maybe we saw glimpses of that when he got hurt last year and the legs were taken away from him. Um, he wasn't as good of a passer. Um, he kind of struggled when the aspect was taken away. So maybe there's some kind of avenue where he, he might be like Johnny Menzel ish, but I, I lean that he isn't like that. I think, I think he's the kind of talent the NFL is looking for. He's the kind of talent that everybody's going to want to build around at the next level. Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm with you. I just want to get the worst yeah. case scenario and and we've seen fields uh, be some, at least fans successful. So I, I feel good about that. Yeah. And that, that's the thing with that. That is the thing with a guy like fields too, is even in a system, like I don't, I can't, I don't know where Justin Fields finished. I can't pull it up right now. Maybe if you want to pull it up while I'm talking, but the fact that fields did what he did last year with the talent he had around him and a very bad offense and was still putting up like huge, huge games week in and week out. Like, that they, it feels like it can only go up from here if they keep surrounding him with talent. Yeah, he was QB seven PPR. Yeah, see, so look at that. Like, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. All right, let's go on to wide receivers here. Let's start off with uh, Josh Downs, who will be in this year's NFL draft. He is, uh, for me, projected to be a late first, early second. Uh, so mm -hmm. kind of like in between that, like twenty five to forty range. Uh, and then you have George Pickens at 90 for us on the campus or on, excuse me, Cornerstone 200 rankings. Josh Downs is at 90. George Pickens at 91. Corey, who would you rather? Yes, yeah, so I've 
probably been known as a Josh Downs guy recently. It's you know one of my one of my more favorite prospects, even even Absolutely. with the size limitations, right? I know a lot, yeah. a lot of uh, I've talked about him quite a bit, but if you were to look at my Twitter a few years before that, I might have been known as the Pickens guy, <laughs> who I had as my wide receiver one after his freshman season at Georgia, and I think there's a scenario where I might still side with him here. I think he flashed enough in his rookie season. I think he has elite measurables from, you know, height, weight, speed aspect. Um, he's not in a terrible situation where he could like legitimately grow into the wide receiver one there. Um, and then downs while he should make a team very happy, he might be relegated to a slot role, which is, isn't necessarily a bad thing. We see guys like, um, like Keenan Allen, Cooper cup, you know, even Tyreek kill plays in the slot a lot. Uh, Michael Thomas plays in the slot a lot. Chris Godwin, all a lot of success over the slot. It's not a big hamper, uh, towards his, his fantasy value. I just think that there might be a little bit more upside, um, with a guy like George Pickens with those kind of measurables. Um, and I really do think his arrow is kind of trending up after his rookie season. Give me Pickens as well. I'm all about it. Six foot three, 200. You know, I love that alpha size, but he's a phenomenal yeah. athlete and he's also proven it as a rookie with another rookie QB too. Like these guys are going to grow together. Exactly. I, yeah. I, I don't think Deontay Johnson gets the second contract. Not that, not that I don't think he's going to have a better year, uh, second year with Pickens here, but I really, or excuse me, with Pickett, Kenny Pickett. But George Pickens, I believe, is the future wireless one here for the Steelers. They've been pretty consistent at developing and drafting phenomenal talent. I think he's the next guy here for the for the Steelers. I think he's a buy just in general in Dynasty. Like I think I looked at him on Keep Trade Cut. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm helping one of my friends like rebuild his rosters, <laughs> but uh, he's like he's like wide receiver 26, 27. I think I feel pretty good about him hitting wide receiver two numbers at some point in time in his career. Yeah, and I I do like Downs size is a concern. Uh, if he's got glowing comps though to like uh, Tyler Lockett and to Brandon Cooks, and I don't disagree with either one of those two. Um, but again, just give me the guy who's already done it. And I definitely see a more clear future. And I don't know where Josh Downs is going. So there's a lot more variables and questions around Josh Downs, more of a situational type stuff. But Pickens, I think we can see the path pretty clearly. So give me Pickens. Yeah, I think this was a fair evaluation between the two, I guess. Either, anyways, I guess right next to each other. So you, you, I clearly... Uh, part of the ranking group or whatever that they were at campus. County. I think this was just founders who did this. Um, maybe some were higher, maybe some were lower, right? There's probably right around that area for them. So I think this is a fair evaluation. Some guys might prefer one or the other, but yeah, definitely more upside in Pickens for me. Yep. Uh, you go on to our next one here. Barion Brown at 108, the Kentucky uh, freshman there. Well, sorry, he'll be a sophomore. And then Jahan Dotson, Penn State, going to the Commanders, <laughs> played for the Commanders at 98. So Barry and Brown, 108, Jahan Dotson at 98. Which one would you rather? You guys started this one. I think I've done the last two. You tell me which one you Okay. Got. Well, I'm the one asking the questions here. You can go ahead. <laughs> uh, give me, give me Barry. Give me Barry. I, I, yeah, I, I think he's the, the, Luther's still in my top tier in that group of freshmen, but uh, of the other th- the other three are obviously Evan Stewart, Antonio Williams, and then Barian. I think Barian's the best athlete in the group. I think Antonio's the best route runner in the group, and I think Evan Stewart has the best ball skills in the group. But I think all three are destined to be first round draft picks in the future. And if Barian can learn to be like a route runner, I think he's maybe has the highest ceiling out of this entire group off his athleticism. Uh, John Dotson's stuck behind Curtis Samuel and Terry McLaurin, both phenomenal players in themselves. Curtis just had his first healthy season. Congrats, Curtis. Uh, but 
I think it's going to be tough for him for like target market share reasons uh, in that group. And I still don't have a quarterback and I don't really have good draft capital to get one this year either. So I rather bearing, I can definitely use him. I think as a starter on my camp scan team. And I think I'll be able to use him too in the NFL. I'm pretty confident of that I'm very confident in that. Yeah. I think when I'm looking at these two and I'm at least assessing them from like, if I, if I would want to trade one away and acquire the other or whatever, like Johan Dotson was, was a first round pick, um, had some flashy moments as a rookie as well. Might not be the the true like one on the team, like you were kind of saying. Might be more of like the Devonte Smith type if he ever develops fully into that. If he kind of takes over the wide receiver two role, um, whereas like Barry uh, and also with Jahan Dotson, late breakout as well. Whereas like Barry and is like already on a better trajectory than Dotson was earlier in his career. Um, which, you know, projects him well to the next level as well. We already know high-level athlete brings a little bit more versatility to the table as well that maybe Jahan Dotson doesn't as well. So I think for me, in an ideal world, I'd trade down from Dotson and pick up Barian plus another, but it's super close for me because I think I, I think I want Barian on my roster. I just don't want to lose value on what I think Dotson's perceived value should be, I guess, you know, like with everything he did, with given what we've seen in his rookie season, given the draft capital, like – but to me, like Barian's cap upside just seems like it may be higher, but you still got to wait a long time. There's still a lot to be figured out there. Who who really knows? I think I'd want something with Barian to get Dotson. I just like, yeah, you know, if it was a draft situation, I'd ignore Dotson here in this round and wait two more rounds for Barian. Like that would be my, my thing here. Right. So I, it's kind of cheating a little bit, I guess, because I want Barian, but I just don't want to lose value on what I think Josh Dotson, what you should get for him. Yeah. I, I'm with you there. I, I did enjoy the flashes. I just don't, enjoy the situation and, and like yes we've yeah. seen we've seen with like jerry judy like everyone's questioning if jerry judy was ever good at football because of how bad the situation was only for two years like the crowd just yeah. turns on that fast uh so i, I kind of predict john to struggle to get that market share up uh and then you got to be super faithful and hope that whenever the commanders figure out how to run a program that or sorry run a company <laughs> yeah. to figure it out let's go on to our next one here let's talk about gabe davis at 142 for our cornerstone rankings, Buffalo wide receiver versus Houston wide receiver, Matthew Golden. Matthew Golden is at 167 here. I'll start off here since you don't want to go first anymore, Corey. I no. I want <laughs> I want Golden hands down. Uh, this isn't really close to me. Mm-hmm. I warned a lot of people last year about Gabe Davis, his explosive playoff game, and everyone thought he was going to be a wide receiver two the next year. It, it was the same thing as Chris Hogan when he blew up for the Patriots. He went for like nine for 180 and two in the playoff game, and he was thought of to be a, a locked-in number one next year, and then he disappointed. And Gabe Davis, guess what? He disappointed. And he's he's a role player. He's not like a versatile asset. He doesn't supply the team with uh, a multifunction skill set. He has a he has a singular role that he's very good at. And, and if he does well again this year, he'll be a free agent. He's going to ask for money. I think the Buffalo Bills are a talented enough team that they can let them go and then pay for somebody cheaper somewhere else because they have the luxury picks like that. So give me Matthew Golden, who I I think overall is underrated as, as a second-year player. Um, but I think Gabe Davis is on the out. I think his value is declining. Matthew Golden's value is only going to increase once he gets to the Power Five and once he gets closer to his NFL draft time. Yeah, and we're we're already seeing like Buffalo sometimes mock a wide receiver 
um, sometimes a favorite destination for a guy like Hopkins or, or OBJ. Um, like a lot of people just saying they need a stronger presence at, at wide receiver two to take the team to the next level. And they thought Davis was going to be that guy, but he just, he just might not be it. He might be more like a Michael Gallup type, a singular role type guy. Like you were saying, you know what I mean? A wide receiver three, four with, with boom weeks and mostly bust weeks, you know, um, you know, I think a lot of people were hoping for a much bigger breakout, but I just don't think that it's going to happen with Gabe Davis at this point either. And I think, I think our group collectively at C2C is higher on Matthew Golden overall. Um, it doesn't seem like he gets the same buzz kind of outside these walls. I was kind of surprised at how far apart they ranked each other. I mean, over 20 spots here from each other. But to me, like he's got the size. Um, he's got the, he's got the recruiting pedigree was pretty highly ranked as well as wide receiver. Got some fantastic movement skills. He's going to be walking into that, that big concentrated role that, that was left over by Nathaniel Dell. He's going to be jumping into the P5 right now. I think I'm chasing the upside here as well. Um, and going for golden, you know, I'd rather see where it goes with a guy like that. Whereas Gabe Davis to me seems like an asset that's, that's declining if anything. Yes. All right. Let's get on. Uh, you know, Corey, why don't, why don't you ask me this one? I don't want you to get all jealous over there. Why don't you <laughs> drive the ship here? <laughs> uh, okay. We'll uh, head over to, uh, we've got San Francisco wide receiver, Brandon Ayuk ranked at 57 in the C200 or Emeka Igbuka from Ohio state ranked at 55. Who would you rather? Emeka next. Let's go. Next. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Go, go ahead. Yeah. This one's tight. This one is tight. I have been a, I'm not a hater, uh, but I've just never ranked Ayuk as high as consensus. Not for any real reasons. Uh, I really don't. I don't have any real reasons. Uh, the doghouse situation was kind of weird in San Francisco, but I always knew he had the talent. I, I do enjoy uh, Matt Harmon from Reception Perception's work. He's almost like the wide receiver Jesus to me when it comes to the NFL. And he was always a big fan of Ayuk, so I really couldn't, couldn't fade him. But I, I think Mecca is a top two wide receiver in next year's class. He's a future first rounder. Um, and I think he can go to a better situation. San Francisco doesn't know what they're doing at quarterback. I, yeah, I don't actually, this one's tough. This one's tough. Like I said, it back up, but like, this one's tough, man. Yeah, no, I think, you, I, I think it is a good evaluation here. I think they, they kind of, they kind of put them right around the same spot because it is a little bit of a tougher, tougher question. I mean, like, I think, we, we have kind of seen what Ayuk is, right? Like, I, he's had some pretty good stretches. I know, like, even if you cherry pick, like, a few sections of, like, his seasons, he's, like, wide receiver one or something like that. Like, he's very up there during some weeks. But, like, to what you were saying, like, just a general feeling, like, me too, he feels more like a Robin than a Batman if I was supposed, if I was going to give it, like, a, like a classification. he's a really good Robin. He's a really yes. good Robin. Yeah, and he compliments Debo well because he brings <laughs> other things to the table that Debo doesn't. But to your credit, like, 49ers undergoing some major changes. And if they ride with Trey Lance, I think it's, you know, it'll bring down the passing volume in an attack that already spreads the ball quite a bit. And you've got freaking Debo and you're talking about Ayuk talking about Kittle. You've added CMC to the equation. Now you're talking, and if this is going to be a low volume pass attack as well, it does make me worry. Now is Ayuk going to be going somewhere else eventually down the line? That's something that could happen. I do think he's a good wide receiver. Um, but I think in this case, I am also siding with Igbuka here just for the upside alone. I think he has like wide receiver one potential. I think he could be something like Olave and Wilson were last year for the saints and for the jets. I think, I think he has the higher ceiling in that aspect. Um, and might be drafted into a better situation. When did when did Purdy take over? Do you know off the top of your head? Like when he took over? Oh no, last five like week games? eleven. Yeah, last, okay. Let's say it's yeah. last five games. All right, this is 
This is Ayuk's last five games. 13.7, 3.9, 13.1, 26.7. That's in the championship. Mm-hmm. And then 9.9. I, and he got 12 targets in one of those games, too. I, it, I This is tough, dude. Because Ayuk's a consistent yeah. contributor, too. I, this one's hard. I do... I like like when the draft rolls around next year, right? Who's going to be the number one route runner? Marvin Harrison? No, I know. I was going to say Mecca Buka. You think Marvin Harrison's a better route runner? I think he's good. Yeah. Oh, okay. I didn't think. Yeah. You, I, I, well, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say Mecca Buka will probably be in the category of the best route runner in next year's draft class, and that always perks ears. He's probably going to be a top fifteen pick, maybe maybe top twenty. I definitely think Marvin Harrison should be the number one off the board, but I, I think Mecca's very close as number two. Uh, we need to move on. We need to move on. We'll just call yeah. it a wash. We got to move yeah. on. <laughs> Let's get on to um, Evan Stewart, uh, Texas A&M wide receiver, Evan Stewart at 85 for our cornerstone rankings, or Jamison Williams, the Detroit Lions wide receiver, drafted early first from Alabama, had a prolific season, had a terrible injury. We got to see him a little spurts last year, but we really didn't get to see him fully. So, uh, wide receiver Jameson Williams at 78, Detroit Lions wide receiver, or the Texas A&M wide receiver Evan Stewart at 85. Corey, which one would you rather? Yeah, here's one where I agree with the evaluation from the C200. I personally think that Jameson does deserve to be ranked higher um, given the draft capital, given the expectations. I think if I was selling Jameson, I would want Stewart plus. Um, I don't think there's a doubt in my mind that Stewart has the chance to become a much more dynamic and versatile wide receiver at the next level. If all things go according to plan, you know, the question is, um, can he achieve that? And if you'd want to sell someone with guaranteed capital and to roll forward that upside, you know, I kind of think of Jameson as a little bit of a boomer bust guy, you know, might not see like a crazy amount of value, but this is the kind of guy that can win your week with the, you know, three catches for two touchdowns and a hundred yards. And there might be some weeks where it's like two for 35, you know, where, whereas Stewart kind of profiles as maybe that more, more well-rounded guy, kind of like in the mold of a Garrett Wilson. So I did go back and forth on this one, but I think um, at this point, I'm fine holding on to Jameson at this point, seeing how he develops, seeing if they can get more creative ways to get him the ball. Maybe they'll use him more dynamically than the role that I kind of envisioned for him. You know, there's this Lions offense, surprisingly good. We were talking about it when we talked about Jared Goff. Um, he could be hooked up with a, with a young quarterback of the future eventually somewhere in these next couple of years as well. So I think that I think if I was moving Williams, I, I'd expect Stewart plus. So I think with that evaluation, I'm going Williams here. Yeah, I think I have to agree with you. This is close. Um, I, I was a big Williams fan coming out. I think he's a phenomenal player. And he, even when we got to see him play a little bit with Jared Goff, Jared Goff missed him. I just praised Jared Goff like a little bit. Ago. But Jared, Jared Goff missed him on some like pretty open throws. Like he could have had like two, three touchdowns this past year off some some deep throws. Like he's someone that's gonna take the top off the defense like three times a game. If he just gets hit on one of those three, like that's your that's your fantasy day right there. Yeah. So I, I do like Jameson a lot, and he's already at the first-round talent. So I, I think I think I'm going with Jameson here. Let's move on to our last wide receiver group here. Marquise Brown at 103 or Zachariah Branch at 105. Uh, do I start this one or do you? I can go ahead and start this one. Like I thought okay. this one was kind of interesting. I added this one on the sheet a little bit at the end because I think these are kind of like two guys that are kind of cut from the same cloth a little bit, you know, a little bit shorter guys, a little more speed to their game, those those types. You know what I mean? And, um 
and looking at and looking at Brown a little bit, you know, like if Hopkins moves on like he's expected to, and we look at Marquise Brown like early in the season, you know, when Hopkins was suspended and Kyler was healthy, like I was looking during that stretch, he was PPR wide receiver five overall over the first six weeks of the season yeah. before he had his injury. He, he fit really well with Kyler and in this offense, still only 25 years old, could be looking at still three-plus years of good production. Now you're talking about Hopkins is going to be probably on the way out as well. He's, you're talking about him being cut or traded. Um, and, and I mean, during that time with all that production, you're still going to be waiting for Branch to reach your roster if you're talking about a traditional Debbie League. So as much as I like Branch and the super dynamic athlete that that he, that he is probably the closest comparison athletically to like a Tyreek or, or Waddle in this class. I'm fine keeping Marquise Brown here um, and, and seeing where this goes. Cause I think that they had something going last year and I kind of want to see where it goes from here. Still a young wide receiver too. And uh, I'm actually kind of a little bit surprised how close they are in these guys' rankings. Uh, I've been a, a known Marquise Brown hater. Uh, so this is going to be Zach Ryan brands for me. Oh, nice. Yeah, I, but I do see what you're talking about. I mean, week two, 11, 11 targets. Week three, 17 targets. Week four, 11 targets. Week five, 10 targets. I mean, he was just a target hog. But then he came back, and he was just pretty meh. Now, but I don't that know was but going- that was without Kyler, too. You remember that, right? Kyler got hurt. Oh, yeah, 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 you're right. And Hopkins yeah. was back as well. Yeah, his quarterback was busy playing Call of Duty, I think. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember those stats where they're like, every time a new Call of Duty comes out? Kyler yeah, like they like, like drop like crazy. Like, yeah. yeah, Kyler like throws like four picks the next week. Yeah, <laughs> I wouldn't doubt it. I wouldn't doubt it. Um, anyway, uh, I don't know what's going on in Arizona. Whatever is going on in Arizona kind of stinks. Um, so I'm not really... I'm not really super confident in the future there. But, like, yeah, if you're looking at a real basic, he should be the one. He has a phenomenal QB there, and he should be the one. I mean, and he, they had success together early. So I, I don't really – I feel super wrong about this. But I, I love I love Branch. I love the news coming out about Branch. And if yeah. you're telling me this guy is going to be the next Waddle, which so far we haven't seen evidence of him not being that, uh, I think I like Branch more. Man, that feels dirty to say that, though. I mean, because Marcus yeah. Brown's going to be a... It's it's a lot of faith to put in, like, in a freshman wide receiver we haven't even seen play yet. You know what I mean? But, like, right. I mean, I don't mind the call. I really don't. Like, I wouldn't, like, you know, like, like throw stones at you for it or anything like that. Like, I think that's a fine... I think it's a fine call. I'm just perfectly happy sticking with the NFL asset that I've seen. And it's still fairly young, in my opinion, so... Yeah, and they got the same college head coach, too. It could yeah. be, like, a... <laughs> copy and paste right here um all right let's get on let's get on to let's get on yeah i don't know who to pick there all right let's get on to the running backs though (laughs) let's talk about kenneth walker at 43 or raheem sanders at 45 kenneth walker running back for the seattle seahawks raheem sanders aka rocket sanders the running back for arkansas yeah, I I put this one in here too because um, it was maybe closer than I expected um, in the C200. Um, but again, also takes in uh, college production, um, which Raheem Sanders is going to be a monster probably next year as well. So it makes a little bit more expense and um, uh, more uh, sense. But I, I love Raheem Sanders. You know, we've talked about it a whole bunch. I've been on him super high on him ever since freshman. But I can't help the feeling that, you know, given what Walker did last year, given the offense that he's in um, – I think I'd be stupid to favor him right now. I, I think I would. I mean, a thousand yard rusher as a rookie only got like 23 touches through the first four weeks of the season as well. Lost another game to a bum ankle down the season as well. Still hit a, a thousand yard rusher in his first season. I mean, like, like you can even you could speak sense to me if I'm being crazy. I know you like Raheem as like, I should be taking Walker here, right? That's what you would do as well. No, 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 you would take Raheem. No, he took over in week six, right? And then yeah. he went. 
21 for 97 against Arizona. But then he had he's getting a lot of volume. I just don't think he's that super efficient. It just seems like he like gets that one long run and like that's I'm getting a lot of Miles Sanders vibes from him, bro. I'm a little nervous about that. Oh, I, yeah, I like yeah. I like Raheem Sanders. Like he's gonna kind of be like a, a middling guy or something like that. But. Like he yeah, he's gonna struggle. I like he's gonna struggle to I don't want to say create on his own. Like he's gonna be consistent. Yeah. Like he's gonna be in that RB two range the whole time, assuming he's healthy. Yeah. I just I'm just a little bit struggling with the upside. And I love I love Raheem's athletic profile and his oh. actual physical size is two twenty plus. Like that's a sweet number spot when you look at just size and running backs. Uh, I think he's going to be destined to be a round two pick, and which is the same as Kenneth Walker was here, a round two pick. And the receiving uh, so. upside, the receiving upside for Raheem too is something that we haven't seen as much of it. But I mean, at freshman Raheem was catching touchdowns over Alabama DBs split out wide. Like, I mean, this was a guy who played like a ton of wide receiver in high school too. He has a ton. This he has this whole mold of of, of upside. Like, I agree with you 100. Like, I lo- I'd love to take Kenneth Walker, trade him down, and pick up Raheem plus. Like that would be, I'd do that in every league hundred percent. Cause like Kenneth Walker was never a guy we were super high on throughout his career either. He had one big year at Michigan state and then everybody bought in and he got good draft capital. And then he had a pretty good season, I guess, like the, you know, being the guy there or whatever, but like, yeah, I, I looked at this one and I felt like I was crazy thinking that I would prefer Raheem given what, what Walker has done. I think like if I was in a league, I would expect someone to be adding something to Raheem. I don't think I would trade Walker straight up for Raheem. Would you do that in a, in a uh, fantasy league? No. It's just too close for me to actually like push it, you know, like for yeah, either side, yeah. for either yeah. side, someone like add a little plus in like, you know, to like push me over the edge. But I do think this is very close. I really like these rankings for these two guys. Um, I do see more of an NFL upside in Raheem and I know he's going to crush it yeah. for college one more year. I think I agree with you. So hopefully you guys got an answer through all that explanation, but we'll <laughs> <laughs> Let's, yeah. we'll, we'll move along anyways. I'll, I'll ask you the, our next one here. We're looking at two other fairly high-priced assets, I guess. Number 89 on C200 is um, Georgia running back Branson Robinson versus uh, Cincinnati running back Joe Mixon at 87, so two spots away from each other. Which one would you rather? Let me ask you this. How many 100 yard rushing games did Joe Mixon have last year? I looked you, at it, so I don't. Uh, do you want my answer? <laughs> what do you, yeah, go ahead and look at it. Yeah, yeah had, tell me. Do you have two or one? He had one. He won. It was just one. Yeah, he had one. Dude, he had yeah. one. And I and I I think he's un- underused as a pass catching uh, weapon too. By the way, not passing yes. back. He's but he he can catch passes way better than than letting him do. I don't know what's going on with him, uh, but he's looked like he's lost some juice, mm-hmm. and that kind of scares me a little bit. Uh, and they have probably. Their best. And this is actually not really much of a compliment. This is their best O line they've had in years, and yeah. Joe Mixon seems to have one of his worst efficiency years. He's a free agent right now, correct? No, he's not. But but there are rumors that he could even be a cut candidate. Wow, that's um, just ridiculous. I'm not going to believe all that. That's for yeah. Sure. Or uh, I guess you're looking for a trade, but that trade market out there for running backs is pretty much nothing yeah and he's at the age of 26 so you're getting like maybe two maybe three more years out of him yeah. probably, probably like yeah and he's, he's probably... reaching that he's reaching that apex where he could like completely fall off going forward especially if like the decline we saw last year continues to show itself a little bit he certainly passed his peak value that's for sure mm-hmm. um and branson robinson's going into an a phenomenal situation where he's got um the guy with the aggressive parents on twitter what's his name which guy? I don't know who you're talking Milton? about. Milton? Milton? Oh, Kendall Milton, yeah. Milton, yeah. <laughs> okay, Kendall Kendall Milton is is always hurt. Um, Dejon Edwards is probably going to be the pass catching back there. And then 
there's a third guy there. Whatever. It looks like Branson's <laughs> in line for a really good role as a sophomore, which is kind of hard to say for a Georgia team, a Georgia mm-hmm. player. Um, and he's just he's got every single NFL trait that you want. Like he has NFL traits. I'd rather Branson than than Joe Mixon. Yeah, I think one of the smart moves in Dynasty is always number one, move off of declining assets as early as possible when you can, when your team allows it, if you're not like competing or whatever. Um, and number two is to acquire assets, assets that you think are going to going to rise. I mean, those are two basic principles of dynasty right there is getting out early and buying in early. Right. And I don't see many scenarios where Mixon's value is going to rise. Even if he goes to another team, I, I question the kind of role he was just in a great offense over there that should have supplied a lot of lanes with all their passing weapons. Right. And he, he really yeah, had he, a poor season. Well, yeah, but he was, RB10 for PPR purposes, which is kind of crazy to look at. But he caught 60 balls, didn't he? Yeah, 60 balls. Yeah, that's that's where the it came from, which is which is, I mean, if you want to if you want to say that's part of who he is and that's part of the value, maybe you're gonna like mixing a little bit more here. Um let's but just, I, I not, go ahead. Sorry, let me give a hypothetical. What if what if the Bengals bring in a pass catching back from the draft? Like I'm trying to think, maybe not maybe not a chain. Like, what if they bring in a chain? I like, yeah. I think he's going to take all the passing work. Do if they bring in a pass late or something like that. Yeah. If they like, bring yeah. in a pass catching back. Then I'm definitely think that's going to tank Joe Mixon's value for me, for me. Yeah. Cause it, and it I, was I, a pass long. I also do think that Branson at this point has some, will have insulated value. I mean, look at how much we continue to talk about freaking Kendall Milton and look how many people are still on him True. even to this yeah. day. It's a Georgia running back who is an apparently an athletic freak. He's going to hold his value for at least a couple of years. So I think I'm also going with Branson here. If I can sell Mixon and especially get something added to Branson, I'm making that move every day. Yeah, same, same. If I'm a competing though, I might hold on to Joe Mixon, but I am I can see about... that scenario too. Yeah, I think that's what, am... that would be a that would be the conversation for a lot of the guys we're talking about here. And I don't think he's getting replaced as a workhorse, but I would be kind of nervous if they bring in a pass catching back, like a good one. Yeah. Let's move on. Uh, would you rather Donovan Edwards, Michigan running back, Donovan Edwards at 131 is his cornerstone ranking, or would you rather running back David Montgomery at 139? The Detroit Lions running back, David yeah. Montgomery. Yeah, kind of, kind of a weird one in there. I, mean, <laughs> um, yeah. I will say that I might – have been higher on Donovan if I if he was going to walk into the backfield himself last year might have been like a massive riser next year if he was going to walk into that Blake Corum role um but we talked about he's necessarily a perfect prospect still developing his vision between tackles a little bit still becoming a little bit more complete um I was hoping to see some of that but again Corum coming back kind of puts a damper on that but all that being said I still think he represents the most upside in the situation um Monty never really became the guy that we envisioned he might be in college hasn't been overly efficient hasn't only broken the thousand yard rushing mark once in his four year career. Just came off the worst season of his career as well. Now he's going to move into the Lions, probably splitting time with Swift there. And and there is some upside here if you want to chase Jamal Williams' touchdown rate from last year. <laughs> That's not something that I personally advise you to do. I think he's a fading asset. And going on your your second team, now your second contract, probably in a work work or um a shared workload. And I even wonder if he can finish as an RB two on the season. Um, especially as a guy who still believes in DeAndre Swift here. So honestly, this one is close because like, I'm like, I'd love to, uh, I don't love either one. I don't think they're not like prime targets for me, but I guess like if, if I could sell David Montgomery now today, I'd be all about that. And if Donovan Edwards was part of that, I think I'd be pretty happy. So I think I might side with Edwards here. Okay. Give me Monty. Really, eh? Yeah, give me Monty, dude. I, I can't believe you just disrespecting him like that. He's got one RB1 finish and then three RB2 finishes. He's never been outside that. He's 
He's pretty typically at, healthy. Look and, at and his yeah, game log, dude. Are you I know, I know, but it's, it's Chicago. It's Chicago, dude. Don't tell Nick Whalen. It's Chicago. Yeah. <laughs> okay, it's Chicago. They're so bad. The offense was bad. Jim Nagy. I would love to man, I think they call him at like the fancy footballers. And I, I think I think the Lions have a good offense. And yeah, I do think you could almost safely chase the Jamal Williams role. Oh, it's inconsistent. It wasn't it. just a one-year thing. Like it's Swift can't stay healthy. Look at Swift's game log. Don't tell me to look at Monty's game log. Look at Swift game log. And let me yeah, but also, that. also, no, but 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 a lot of Monty's value has come from the pass catching. Do you still think he's gonna get that there? I think he's going to get more touchdowns, and I feel like that's called like a pretty even swap for me. Yeah, I don't know. So I, I think, yeah, he's only got like five rushing touchdowns last year. I think I, I honestly think there's a scenario where he plummets after this year. Like he's not even in the C200 next year. I think he could be an RV2 with the Lions, like two of his three. You're crazy. Fans. You're a Lions fan. You're Miami fan, Lions yeah, fan. Yeah, I am yeah. a Lions fan. Yeah, I, I am a Lions fan lately. <laughs> Oh God! Get this guy. Um, Go to the next yeah, one. What was it? Three years, eighteen mil. Like they're gonna use him. That's not backup money. That's they're gonna. Three years. Oh God! It's probably got like like easy cut rates somewhere. There's no way. I yeah. I, after year two, I'm sure they got an easy cut. Yeah, there. I doubt he's staying all three years. Give me Monty right. for two years over Edwards, and I think I think Michigan and seriously that spring game has just proven to me that anyone can run successfully at Michigan. It's it's just like Marshall. How Marshall always had those running backs people want to talk about. It's the system. I really do think that yeah. I, I'm, I'm happy for Zach Charbonnet that left that system. And, and speaking <laughs> of Zach Charbonnet, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm going to jump down this one just a little bit here. Let's talk about Zach Sharp or freshman sensation, Justin Haynes. It's not really mm-hmm. sensation, but he's a sensation for some people here at this company. Zach Sharp going to the NFL. I think he is a little bit overrated. I see people have him as RB2, RB3. That was mm. a phenomenal offensive line there he had at UCLA. Um, and I don't think they'll give them enough credit for some of the holes they, they gave them to. And it's kind of hard to stop a 220-pound back when you're a DB at the Pac-12 level. Like, I feel bad for those DBs when that D-line couldn't hold hold the line a little bit longer. So um, I think Zach Shard's production is a little inflated. I still think he's a day-two running back. I still think when he gets to the NFL, he's going to be at a minimum an RB2. Um. I'm saying all this, I actually still think I'd rather Charbonnet than Haynes. He's just a true freshman from Alabama. Yeah. Dude, give me Sharp. Give me Sharp. I, I'm confident he's going to do something in the NFL. I just don't think he's going to be as big as people think he is. Yeah, we're probably in agreement on this one here. Justice Haynes, you know, still has a lot to figure out over there. A five-star running back coming in is still, still a very exciting thing, I think. Um, it's just hard. Yeah, I mean Zach Charb's always kind of. I'm kind of with you. Like, like the evaluation you gave is like I've never been a huge Zach Charbonnet guy. You know what I mean? But he's entering NFL. He's risen for me just because some guys have dropped or some guys have moved around. Like he is a top five running back for me in this class. Um, it took him four years to get there though. This was a guy I was even saying to sell before the start of last season, like his first season going into UCLA. I just didn't think, especially looking at his Michigan Michigan career, he just didn't do much over there he got played over by Hassan Haskins and here I am trying to buy into him here and saying you should take him but um I do think I'll side with Zach Charbonnet given the size given the profile given the expected draft capital that he's going to get a lot more up in the air with Justice Haynes a little bit two young guys as well we're not worried about age here or anything like that so give me Zach Charbonnet here and we'll, we'll see what happens let's go on to tight ends uh let's go into Brock Bowers at 88 or TJ Hawkinson sorry Georgia tight end Brock Bowers or the Vikings tight end, TJ Hawkinson? 
Uh, yeah, this one is honestly all most of the tight ends you're going to say here. It's going to be a little bit easy for me. Just a part of my philosophy is just to attack tight end on the NFL side. And and in this one in particular, like I thought Hodgson looked, Hawkinson looked pretty good when he switched over to, to Minnesota. I think um, averaged over 12 PPR points per game, which, I mean, not amazing, but still good for good enough for like third uh, out of all the tight ends since his trade in week eight. So he generally has, you know, uh, the same trajectory in, in this case as well as Brock. Brock is expected to be a first-round pick. TJ Hawkinson was a first-round pick. He's done everything that we want to see from this level. I understand that Brock has a tantalizing skill set, very exciting mismatch outside, um, very athletic guy, but there is some think some concerns about his size there is some concerns about how much of an inline role he could play tj hawkinson is like you're all around tight end can do it all the kind of guy who's going to play freaking 15 years in the nfl maybe maybe longer who sees so i'm i'm siding with hawkinson here um pretty easily yeah he's he's 25 he's coming off a productive year he finished this tight end two overall yeah and he and he looked great for the he was pretty like what was it, 10 points he had over 10 points every single week every single week for uh the Vikings, I, I would much rather Hawkinson than Brock Bowers at this point in time. And and, and Brock Bowers is a little bit smaller. I'm not really overly concerned about it, but at least I know Hawkinson's already proven that he's doing it. And I'm not really worried about him doing it in the near future. Uh, let's get into our last tight end here. Let's talk about um, Michael Mayer or Dallas Goddard. Michael Mayer coming up from Notre Dame. He's, he's going to be a rookie this year. Dallas Goddard's there with Jalen Hurts at the Eagles. What say you, Corey? I was surprised they were actually so close on this one because I know even like freshman tight ends coming into college, rookie tight ends coming into the NFL typically struggle early on. So to see, I mean, maybe they view him as a little high upside thing here, but Dallas Goddard isn't exactly old either in a very good offense over there um, with the Eagles. Hurts seemed to like throwing the ball to him as well. So again, here, let me go with the guy who's the bona fide asset already has proven it on the NFL level. Um, I'm going with Dallas Goddard and I don't even, I don't, I think it would take something pretty convincing at, to add on to Michael Mayer to get me to get to Dallas Goddard. I think I like Michael Mayer more. Really? I think, I think, I think I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> Do you, can I ask you a reasoning or am I pro, am I prodding you too much for that? No, no. That's <laughs> what we're here for. That's what we're here for. <laughs> Um, no, I just think he's proven the athleticism thing wrong. He's been productive all his years mm-hmm. in college. I think he's just a complete package. I think so is Goddard. Um, but Michael Mayer in the right spot can have a higher ceiling. So this is really going to be more lame spot dependent for me once he, uh, once he yeah, gets out there. Because he really does have that complete skill set that could be like we were just talking about TJ Hawkinson. That could be that guy that plays 15 years in the NFL. And that does have value. I mean, if you've got a guy who's going to stay 15 years on your roster, that's, that's freaking value. I also think... Goddard didn't do as well as people think last year. I mean, I really just don't. I mean, he had one really good game, but. Well, he got injured too, though. Yeah, yeah, I know. But I just, I don't think he's actually as good as people think he is. He's like the third option on that offense too. Like best, like that's best case scenario, third option on that team. And maybe Michael Mayer can find himself somewhere better. Over 50 receptions, over 800 yards the past two years for for Goddard. So, yeah, maybe not like superstar numbers. 700 yards. I don't know if I expect much more for Goddard but I mean four years past four years have been he doesn't get touchdowns either you know touchdowns the touchdowns are a problem yeah the regression bro should be on Twitter talking about how you should get more touchdowns next year Corey this is gonna be enough tight end talk yeah that's enough that's enough all right all right guys uh that's gonna be it for our show tonight 
If you like the show, please rate and review it. That does wonders for us here at Campus Akin. Makes us feel good about ourselves. Uh, if you don't love the show, uh, just give it till next week. Just give it till next week. Well, you'll be joining us for a special United Nations. I, I know me and Corey are already international, but we are spreading our net even wider to new continents. Just join us next week. We're going to break down analytics, advanced metrics versus basic metrics, and just talk about the overall use of analytics and fantasy football and how they can help you make a better pick when it comes to your rookie drafts, your debut drafts, all that type of stuff. From Corey and from Mike, good night and good luck.